Hey guys, Lindy Pearson here. My husband and I work with a great firm called Cressa. We're a commercial real estate firm, but unlike most firms in our industry, we only represent the tenants. We help business owners and C-level executives make better real estate and facility decisions while saving them money in the process. So welcome to Level Up, everyone, where we feature entrepreneurs, leaders, and other professionals who have demonstrated agency and innovation, both personal and professional lives. Today we have on our show a beautiful lady. Uh, she is a renowned business advisor and the founder of Dynamic Team Solutions. She and her team of experts help organizations and leaders across all industries raise the level of business functionality, teamwork, and productivity. Candace holds a master's degree in counseling and is a board-certified executive coach. She's a sought-after speaker and writer on topics including leadership, communication, conflict management, and team dynamics. She's a contributing writer for Forbes Coaches Council and author of her first upcoming book, Find, Fix, Fill Your Leadership Gap. So welcome, Candice. Happy Friday. I'm not even sure if we say that anymore. Is every day a Friday or every day a Monday? <laughs> Oh, happy, uh, happy Friday to you too. I still do enjoy the Friday, even though it feels very much like a Friday in the middle of the week sometimes and like a Monday on a weekend, depending on what is going on. But <laughs> yeah, it's good to at least have a reason to celebrate something every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I asked you on this podcast because you and I share very similar clientele. We both are dealing with organizations and companies and teams of people CEOs, HR, everything. Um, and we're talking about going back to the workplace. We're talking about really, really, really considering major, holistic, empathetic ways to unite your team um, in, this, in this now post-COVID world. So we're going to talk about how we can compel people to come back to work. Um, the hybrid model, which is talked about throughout hoteling concepts of the office space. How are you going to retain your talent? Who wants to work for you? Do you even want to go back to the office? And how we're going to navigate. So um, for me, Candice, talking to you and learning about how you started this, how you got on the path, how you recognized there was a need um, really resonates with me. So I would love it if you could tell everyone. Uh, thank you, Lindy. Um, I'm happy to, you know, I think like most people, uh, my story doesn't start with a business plan or anything along those lines. It starts with just, you know, who I am as a person and who I was raised by and my circumstances and situations. And, you know, we all come from those things and, uh, you know, growing up, I, you know, I'm a middle child. So I think there's a, a natural uh, place where people say, oh, you must be a middle child when they find out my background's conflict resolution. And I laugh and I say, actually, I am. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, um, you know, my parents divorced when I was young and my mom went back to the workplace. And as an adolescent in particular, I became really aware of just the, the, stress and displeasure she had with her work, but yeah. she felt like she had to keep her job. She didn't really feel like she had other options and she's a very loyal employee. So even though she was really unhappy, she wasn't apt to go look for something else. I think she's a bit risk averse if I was to, you know, point it out as a particular reason. And in any event, I just, I, I lived with that. I lived with somebody who was angry when they came home from work. I lived with somebody who, you know, had a lot of things to say about their 
employer and the people that managed them. And, you know, just growing up with that, I think it lit a fire in me that, you know, people are at work for, you know, a third of their life. I mean, in some ways it's more than that because we have it in our head afterward. Right. And if you're miserable and you're bringing it home and you're bringing it into your personal life, that's not okay. And so while I didn't find my path right out of high school into that, it was about 12 years later when I, you know, finished my master's degree and world worked in the world of work for a while. Um, I finally just found the path toward creating a place where I could make the workplace pleasurable or at least really, really good for people where they wanted to come to work. And so that's where Dynamic Team Solutions was born. That's so cool. Yeah, um, I think there's there's a lot of people right now who have two different households um, due to divorce or moving away or whatever it is that they need to accomplish. But it is very hard when you have a family that you're dealing with and you have, okay, going to the office, coming home, having to get things done and still needing to provide for your family. Um, it was it was really hard for us too. Um, my mom worked there's three of us at the time. There's now four of us, but um, it, w- it was tough. She didn't get to go to any of our plays or any of our like, you know, mother daughter things. It was, it was hard. And she came home and she was tired and she still had like a, her second job to do, you know, the homework, the cooking, the cleaning, all this and getting ready. So it was, it wasn't always fun and games, but yeah, that's, And I'm sure our audience right now is male, female, young, old, especially anyone who has kids is like, yeah, my personal life, my professional life are a nonstop ongoing give and take wheel of, you know, just work. It's all work. Even if it's pleasurable, there's a level of it. That's also work where we don't get that decompression, that time to kind of breathe and take care of yourself. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have, we have this burning question that is surrounding us, surrounding us in the business force. And it's planning on returning to the office, the actual return to the office and the office of the future. And it's easy to think that those are all one thing, but they're really not. I think you talked a lot about pre-planning. I think you talked, talked a lot about there's this building tsunami kind of coming. So what, what are your, like, what's your opinion on the next normal and, and, and maybe you can shed some light on some of the, some of not, not the wrong things, but some of the things where we shouldn't be focusing on to kind of help. in that. Yeah. And, and Lindy, you know, the thing is for the most part, everything I'm hearing from my clients, from the world at large, from things my husband learns in his uh, world of business is that people are really right now focused all on return to work or hybrid or how to bring people back into normal. And I am shouting from the rooftops, this is not what you should be focusing. Um, Focusing on that is going to lead you to a place of structure that's not going to fit. In short, you know, what I'm seeing, and you mentioned the tsunami, I have been telling people there's like this tsunami of conflict coming because, I mean, I've been writing articles about it, so maybe we can include links afterward. But there there is so much going on with people. And I, when I say this, whoever's listening, you know, this is you also. So 
we've all been under this nonstop, constant strain, this hope of things going back to normal, this belief that they will be sooner than obviously it has for I think everybody has just had that thing. Oh, it'll just be a few more months or the next season or by the start of the year. And we've just been holding our breath in essence, waiting for it to get better. And so now much like any kind of trauma or stress people go through, right as it's getting better is often where it's the most critical level of experience and tension people have because they don't want to just have it go back to the way it was. They want it to be better. And so whatever things small, medium, even big, of course, um, that were going on before in your workplace are exponential right now. And just to give, you know, the audience an indication of what I mean, as a business, mediation and conflict resolution is a big part of what we do. But in the first quarter of 2021, we have seen four times as many requests for mediation as we did in 2019 and 2020 combined. Two full years compared to the first four months and we had, or first three months, we had four times as many requests. And this is not people saying, oh, I just want to be proactive. This is people saying, oh, uh, you know, things are hitting the fan right now and we have some serious issues to take care of. So the tsunami tsunami is coming. What what are those issues though? Because this is like, this is huge. This is the things that people don't want to talk about. They want to just sweep under the rug and say, just come back to the office, you know, Um, what, like whatever. Well, I'll say this, um, you're probably not going to, as employers and business leaders, you're not going to get that option to return to say, we're just going to sweep it under the rug because, and that's why there's this tsunami. People are so strained. They won't put up with it. They're going to be a lot louder, a lot more vocal. They're going to just make, dig their feet in the sand. I'm not coming back to the office. I am not working with that individual. I am not going to let him or her talk to me that way. Um, I expect this or that. And it comes from a lot of different places, but some of the things we're seeing is even top leadership that are having issues with each other in partnerships, because, you know, these are people who want to have something successful together. They both have so much skin in the game, but they just have such different, maybe philosophical views or values that are now creating friction. And there's a need to stay together, but there's not a a clear path to doing it. And we've had some that are even just, even, you know, it's through all, every level of an organization. We've even had some organizations that knew us long-term and knew our, our ability to help and have brought us in for even more of the mid-level and even, you know, lower level, if you want to call them that, employee, um, you know, staffers that they wanted to keep them. There was connections and value in keeping them in the organization, but they were just creating more turmoil, creating friction on their teams, gossiping, spreading rumors, you know, just antagonistic behaviors, um, refusing to come to work if the other person would be in the office, all sorts of things. And, you know, this is the stuff that when it's the reactive measures, which is, you know, definitely something we help with, but not the only thing we do. That's the stuff we're hearing a lot of right now. Do you find that the smaller companies um, don't really engage in this as much as the enterprises or the corporate real estate world being that, oh, we only have 10 employees so we can figure it out on our own or are you seeing all different sizes reach out to you? Absolutely all different sizes because we're all people and it's about people. It's not about corporate. It's not, I mean, there can be other systemic things that happen on an organizational level, but that's where we see more of like, team issues that aren't going well, or, you know, some kind of leadership foible, like much to the comments of my book title, because that's what it's about. Um, But leaders who can create 
unwittingly, um, a lot of issues that then trickle down and affect large groups and teams. And, you know, that's more of the, you know, broader things we see from bigger companies and organizations, but the smaller ones, you know, it really just comes down to people and we need to be able to communicate and feel heard and feel valued and, you know, feel opportunity and all these different things. And when people stop feeling any of those, there's the friction. Yeah. So when, when you talk about keeping your talent, attracting new talent, what are some of the things that you help out with that? In attracting talent, um, it's more, I, I would say it's a lot more talent retention. And that's because, you know, we're not recruiters. Um, yeah. And certainly we have been called upon to help businesses become more of that, you know, best places to work because they care for their team, because they provide professional development. So those are some of the things we do that help with that. But when it comes to retention, it, you know, most people who leave, um, you know, and I'm going to, you know, share a question I often recommend be used. And I will ask if I'm ever a part of exit interview strategies, is it, why are you leaving? It's why did you start looking? You know, what was wrong that made this something appealing? Because, you know, very few people are like, oh, I can't wait to change something, you know, very big in my life. I want to look for a new job because there's always that unknown. Um, every now and again, somebody does have an opportunity that is more secure because it's a family member's business they're going to or something along those lines. They're, they're starting their own enterprise. They're retiring. Those are reasons people will leave that it is all positive for them. There's no reason they wouldn't do it. But a lot of times there's risk involved and people don't want to they don't feel they have a choice. Um, and a lot of that also is, you know, there's at least 50% of our population, I would say even more, have some issues managing their own conflict in that they'll just let things go yeah. and let things build up. And the stress goes to a place where right. they can't handle it. They so it's easier, easier to just move on than to deal with the issues at hand. And that's where being proactive as a business is also really important and making sure people have the skills and the tools to manage really difficult conversations and to give really critical feedback, but in a kind and positive manner that makes people want to change, that makes people excited to keep working on things and not just, you know, bury it. It's, you know, that's the retention piece that's important to me. So when when you when you deal with these organizations and obviously you're starting from from the top and working your way down and you have different teams. Um, it's really easy to do all this stuff online. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just much easier, right? You're going to, you're going to read something you and I can talk. Um, but we talk about personal relationships. We talk about what you and I have together, the, the, the personal self-love that you have for yourself in order to be confident in your job and returning and coming back. So for me, I love all of that stuff, but I miss the socialization part of it. So you refer to this as like the after after meeting. Right. Like yes. Party. You know, you talk about business and then you figure out how to do it afterwards. But we're not we're like missing that component. So the interpersonal part of things we're missing. How do we how do we connect that? How do we get that back in there? Yeah, and I think that's such an important component of this whole return to work com concept. And I've talked to a few business leaders that were looking to just continue with fully remote. You know, our people are happy. Right. Uh, we can mitigate our carbon footprint. 
We can save money in terms of rent and overhead. And then there's also those concerns about, you know, we can have a broad, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great reasons behind it, but what they're forgetting is how much it's taking away from what they need from the interpersonal. That is a key, key, key part of what makes people motivated to come to work, what makes them excel, what helps them grow, what helps the business thrive. Because, um, you know, in the after, after meeting, you can do a meeting online and that's great. And you can get information out there, but how do you get people to then start collaborating and, and, and really thinking beyond what was discussed. And that happens when you have somebody to have that discourse with who was in that meeting, when it's just that impromptu where you're, you know, both going over to the bathroom together or grabbing a cup of coffee, or you happen to see them in the lunchroom and you just, you know, I'm still thinking about boom. And the conversation grows from there. And when you have people all remote, no one wants to, and this is out of in essence, a kindness. No one wants to bother the other person. They know they have other things on their plate. They know they have things on their own, you know, list of to-dos for the day. And so it doesn't happen. It has to be just very organic that people come together. And that can't happen when you're remote. And so while this has been an interesting, I wouldn't call it an experiment. Certainly none of us wanted to be a part of this experiment. But, you know, if we look at it like that, we can see that there are places where it's very survivable and places where it's not. And I think for that reason, the hybrid model makes a lot more sense, but it needs to be done back to that planning comment you made with so much intention where people are designated for particular points in time to really come together because that's where you build collaboration. That's where you build cohesion. That's where you develop a team. That's where you inspire innovation and create something far broader, far better, far more, you know, exciting for not just the individuals, but for the receive recipients, whether it's a service or a product, it's yeah. from that. It's not from doing the same thing we've been doing in the past. It's from the future. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of patience um, has to be like number one for coming back to this workplace because there's, there's, there's so much stuff going on. Uh, my kids just got back into school um, it's, and they're doing their own hybrid model. And some kids who got sick now have to stay home. And now the whole school has to stay home. And now the, I mean, there's just so many ways to, to navigate um, that you, you really just have to have that empathetic heart no matter what. And I think there's, there's a lot of silver linings with all of this, because I think it has really accelerated the word flexibility and hybrid in the work, the workforce, the workplace, the workspace, however you want to combine it. You know, I like the number one thing when I had kids going back to work, the number one thing I was fearful of was flexibility. I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to go and do things, which goes stems back to my childhood of my parents didn't get to go to my stuff. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't repeat that. And um, <clears throat> obviously I've done that in the past, but I think for other people who, who aren't so lucky and who you know had to come into work every day from nine to five, had to you know, check in, check out, do their things. I think for, for that workforce, I think this is, this is really huge for everyone to have their voice and to be able to do things and be, be, collaborating if they want, at home if they want, hoteling concept in the office, if you want, whatever it is. But overall, whatever you decide, progress is being made, growth is being made, goals are being met. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to some of these. 
after after parties. I mean meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I like the after after party. I'll go. <laughs> yeah. um, I was, you know, just even as you were talking, you know, my my I'm always considering these different things. And I could see where businesses might, as just an idea of a model, have full teams come in for maybe a week, that the whole week they are together. So it doesn't have to be that it's just after the meeting, they stay for an extra hour. That's not how you create innovation. That creates pressure of, oh, I better think of everything now. And and also gives people a feeling of failure if they didn't in the right time frame or didn't opportunistically have a conversation in that time frame. Whereas if you have a week, let's say the meeting's on a Monday or a Tuesday, but people are together for that full week, they have that ch- that time to really process it and come together and think about it. And then you can let them go back hybrid for maybe the rest of the month. And, and they're in the office if they need to, but at home. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but I think that businesses can't just look at it as coming together for a meeting and then leaving again. I think that that. I agree. Does I agree. not satisfy the purpose behind it. Yeah. Especially for someone like me. I mean, I do business development all day long and to be able to, to, to talk about it outdoors, to be able to come up with something because business development, it's not, it's not a black and white character. It is creativity. It is innovation. It's just being inspired because you're, you're, you're present in the moment, you know, all of that stuff. And when you're on zoom and you got 63 tiles or even 10 tiles, sometimes you just kind of zone out. Or you come over here, or you get you get distracted, or maybe you turn mute on and and you talk to your kids or whoever else is around. So, yeah, this this uh, this in person needs to kind of happen, but it needs to happen so everyone feels comfortable and everyone can continue feeling good about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So there, you you mentioned a little something about a book. And I know that it hasn't exactly hit the shelves yet or Amazon, I should say. It's in progress for anyone listening. (laughs) Um, So if you could just really quickly just say a little bit about what inspired you to do that. Oh gosh. Great question. Um, you know, I think I think there's a little bit of anybody who writes a book that knew that they always had it in them that they wanted to put something out in the world. And so maybe there's a bit of that as a backdrop to who I am. But from the time I began this business, I've had people say, gosh, you just give such great advice. Or wow, I never thought about that. Or you really ought to write a book about those things because that's so useful, but I want, want to reference it more often than when I can pick up the phone and call you. And right. so, you know, for better than a decade, I've been jotting down notes and ideas. And, and truly when I came down with it, and I'm almost afraid to say this out loud, um, but I, I filtered it all out. And when I just was starting the process of writing this book and realized I had four books. Um, and so I'm working on the first. So anybody who really loves reading, um, find me and you will be able to read lots of books that um, have to do with workplace relations in every different capacity. But the first one, which I felt was the most um, important and pivotal for organizations was how leaders work. And that's because the the work I do from, from the beginning of my work in mediation, although now we do a lot of team dynamic things and, and stretches far beyond conflict resolution. But I learned really early on that the things that go wrong, especially in organizations, often come back from leaders, not doing it on purpose, doing it with the kindest heart, the best intentions, even strategic ideas. And yet somehow they're doing it in a way that's creating a lot of problems and friction. And having had the opportunity to see it in pretty much every business that has brought us in, I have a large body of knowledge of what are the causative factors. And so I boiled it down to, um, I'll just share the three main things. 
um, issues regarding trust, issues regarding role clarity, and issues regarding conflict management. And let me just say this book is <laughs> far more than those three things, but those are sort of the counterpoints of where things go wrong and where leaders end up askew from what's going to create a healthy team. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, we, we, I think that, that kind of goes back to pre-plan. Yes. Planning is everything. Pre-plan, pre-plan, pre-plan. Um, I think it's, I don't know how to say this properly. I think it's easier not easier. I think it's done more often of like an accidental, someone didn't think about the other side or someone just reacted without taking a pause. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so some of these business owners who aren't necessarily meaning to do that, um, you know, there's been a couple of offended employees and there's been a couple of people who have chosen not to come back to the office because it's not comfortable for them or their needs haven't been taken uh, into account. So there's like some, some sort of like equality, like we all matter kind of something. We all have a desk. We all, we all contribute to the business or to the team. How are you seeing something to like make people more aware of that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. So I don't, I don't want to like separate the two of personal and professional, I want to constantly have that braided in because we're all growing. Even if my kids are older, they're out of the house at some point, not soon, but at some point I'm going to have grandchildren and there's going to be this, like there's this constant cycle of everything. And, and, and I want that to be accounted for. Um, just, just a, a small example was I missed a board meeting last week and it was because it was my, or two weeks ago, my, it was my kid's first day of school everything was haywire. And I couldn't even think about joining on late because I looked like I just woke up and I had all these things bouncing around in my head. When I sent the email to this particular organization, One Generation, the response that I got was so great and so warm. And don't even worry about it. Here's the notes. And if you can, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that, that to me, it was like my shoulders were here. And I'm like, oh, like, this is great. This is like, this is how I want to be treated. This is, how, this is how I want to treat everyone. And I want everyone else to be treated this way too. To not feel that pressure, to not feel anxiety, to not feel like dreading. And then when you're done, you're pooped. Emotionally, you're like, you're done, you're out. So what are, what are some ways that, that, you know, the higher ups, as we call them, C-suite executives can kind of trickle that down into their team? You know, I think it's it's such a big, big question, right? It's it's almost more a conversation than a question. But um, one of the things that comes to mind with regard to that is is the concept, and it's going to at first sound like I'm going in a different direction than I am, the concept of diversity. And it's because, you know, we as a nation, and I think for good reason, are talking so much about diversity right now and long overdue talking about it. But this isn't about racial equity when I'm talking about diversity, it's about how unique each of us is. Truly the diversity of us as individuals and each of us has our own things going on. And I think just, not just at the leadership level, not just the C-suite, but at every, every person in organization needs to be reminded of that to create that more holistic understanding. You experienced it when you were unable to attend that board event, when something just didn't go right in your world. But 
People in every capacity of life have things going on. It doesn't matter if you're a fresh out of college, you know, trust fund baby, you still have things that you have, crosses to bear, things that are going on in your life. Just as, you know, the single mother of four who is of, you know, maybe African-American descent and has no family that can help support her. And she's working really hard to support her kids and her family. And she has a whole load of things. I'm not saying that they're equal in what they need, but there's diversity in who we have on our workforce and just recognizing that people's professional role does not always equate to what they're personally capable of doing on any day of the week. And just having some grace when, when you help people to plan and help people to know what is appropriate to expect, because when people have an expectation that they're going to get something here and it hits here, they're just, they're really upset about it. They feel like it's not fair. This person isn't pulling their weight or, or other aspects of it. Instead, if you're listening to people and hearing them and letting them know maybe what you need and what you expect, but taking the time to understand where the delivery was a problem, just having that level of respect and that level of, um, you know, warmth as you used, um, to people is what's going to really build that level of, um, trust in an organization. You know, I talked about how leaders build trust. It is, it is something that they think of is, oh, we do one, two, three. I've got a hundred pages on it. I can tell you it's not one, two. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into it and a lot that takes away from it. And, you know, being understanding is a big thing that builds trust. And that does not mean being a pushover. You can be very strong. You can be very determined and focused and have high expectations and still build trust. Um, But it does mean you have to be respectful of the individual. Yeah, I, I really like the word grace. I love that that you used it. Even when you say it like grace, like the like the corners of your mouth almost have to smile. Mm-hmm. And I think when you when you apply grace in any situation, whether you have steam coming out of your ears or not, to to just remember that we're all human and that we all we all have we all came from somewhere. And we're here today and we're all trying to go somewhere and to be able to, to do that, to, to execute that in, in a holistic human way, I think is, is what's going to be happening as everyone is going back. I think this whole year and next year, everyone is going to be talking about how do, how do we want our office to be? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing in my world is okay, I have, I have open space, I have warehouse space, I have too much space, I need to re, revamp my space and figure out, you know, how are people going to be coming back to work? So again, going back to that pre-plan, plan, 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 um, I, think, I think that will give you the best feedback. Um, what about surveys? How do you feel about surveys? Because we've done a couple surveys for for our clients, just figure, trying to figure out how much square footage they're going to need and, and planning their return. And that has collected so much data that has been very helpful. Yeah, I, I actually think surveys are great. I don't think that they are absolute because people can sometimes be reserved, especially in negative things. People 
and again, it's funny how much we complain about other people, right? But very few people want to say the negative. They, they're they more inclined to say something kind of model, middle of the ground or on the yeah. more moderate level. And if they're, really thrilled, if they're really thrilled, they'll go over the top, right? Um, but, you know, especially when it's something that potentially could hurt someone's feelings, they're very careful, which is a beautiful thing. It shows that we do have that compassion and that care, but it also removes some of the information. So we use surveys for certain things when it's... Um, fairly easy for people to be really honest with us. And if we think they're not, then we do, you know, direct one-on-one conversations and we recommend businesses do that. You know, you can't rely on a survey to get certain types of data, but um, you know, certainly we use it to gauge where our clients are at. Even just right now in this current year, we're we're surveying our clients and um, you know, the business community that we're connected with and saying, Hey, what, what are your needs right now? Because we know you have them and you're not always reaching out, but we know because of the clients that are reaching out, how ugly it is right now and how many things are creating stress and, you know, just helping people to be ready for it. And that's, I think sometimes really helpful is to have someone just kind of tap you and say, do you need me help on these issues? Because maybe, maybe it's not as easy as it looked, you know, to get everybody back into the office or to get things back on track or to keep clients happy or whatever it is. Um, And part of that I think is, you know, I just can say, you know, with the conflict thing, one of the things we're also seeing is people are, are experiencing clients that aren't as happy. They also have this greater level of expectation. And so, I mean, it's in every aspect of who we are because of this past year, we just aren't willing to take good enough anymore. I like that. I like that. Yeah. There's no, there's just, there's no need to do that to yourself. There's no need to be stressed, overcommitted, or feeling like you can't get the things that you really want done. Right. Yeah. Like that. What, what do you still want to accomplish? Oh, can I take over the world? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to say probably my biggest you know, I, I call it a, a personal goal, but it's also a professional one is to um, get my book out the door. Okay. I'm really pleased with it. And once I do, I think I'll feel inspired enough by that, that I'll be easily ready to start second, third and fourth ones as those go on. Yeah. Um, they all intertwine. And so it will at some point be just this, like, you know, this series of, of ideas and thoughts around, you know, making the workplace one where people want to come to work and want to work with one another. Uh However, I also um, am looking to really help support more businesses. And one of the things, you know, for as a business, we're looking to explore ways to support businesses, not just the high level ones that we already service, but some that are maybe um, nonprofits and have lower budgets. And we're creating even a second tier in our business to support those clients um, more intern level, you know, really educated, but not as experienced um, consultants. And so we're kind of developing that because we, I just want us to have greater reach. And myself personally, I'm, I'm now um, working on serving on some boards because I feel like that's a service I can really provide that can affect a whole organization. So that's something I'm also doing because I see so much value in being able to, you know, from the top down, educate and inform and give great guidance as to what are the things to think about that maybe do not fall into the traditional, let's think about this mode, you know, finances, people are always thinking about the legal issues, yeah. but the personal, which is huge and getting even more point of focus to people, yeah, community. Very few people that are addressing those needs. And that's my, that's my wheelhouse. I love it. And I really look forward to helping more businesses by being a part of that. 
That's great. Yeah, before pandemic, I mean, it's the name of the game for, for nonprofits is fundraising, fundraising, fundraising. And now there's an even more tremendous need across the board. And there's a lot of things that uh, aren't being reported, recorded, seen. So the need, the need is growing. So yeah, but if, if you need help with that, I, uh, I am involved with many nonprofits. So we can talk about that offline. Love to. Uh, yeah. So Candace, thank you so much for being on Level Up. Um, you're awesome. Every time I talk to you, I learn something new. Um, what we're going to do is for any of your social handles, how, how is the best way to get a hold of you? Would, would uh, LinkedIn or? LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Candace Gottlieb Clark. You can find me there or you can look up Dynamic Team Solutions. Either one should reach me. Uh, I also, I do use Facebook, but I don't primarily use it for business. It's just one of those things I never saw the need to connect the business yeah. and personal too much. So I separated it. And um, well, while it's not something I can give you verbally over the thing, I do offer free consultations. And if somebody would like to go to our website, dynamicteamsolutions.org, um, on the contact us page, there is a way to uh, connect for a free consultation. And I welcome all of your listeners to Perfect. Reach. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we really enjoyed talking to you. And what, what, what I take from this is increasing the effectiveness. We all know how to be good people, but it's, it's about being good people in the moment. It's about planning on, on bringing everyone back as a team, not just a couple of people, um, which kind of has to do with the cohesion of everything to make that a little bit more smooth. And the functionality of teams, I'm going to go with like the after after party um, scenario. I think just like you said, teams is more than just reporting. It's not, it's not reporting the step you did. Yes, that is what you fuel the pot for, but it's, it's not everything. Um, and just, and just really talking with our, with our leaders and different organizations in our community. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for making the world a better place. You too. And thank you for inviting me to be on Level Up, Lindy. Yeah. All right. Until we meet again. Thank you, everyone.